Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for Virginia Tech and ACC Sports. I'm Justin Cochilla alongside Tim Hurth. It is Wednesday, Thursday, September 15th. We're getting closer to game day. We're talking Virginia Tech, Boston College recap. Hokies get their first win under Brent Pry, first win in Lane Stadium, first game in Lane Stadium for Brent Pry. So uh, we'll talk about that. Very exciting times. We'll look at week two in the ACC. Uh, we're going to talk about the Wofford game. We're not really going to call it a preview because I can't honestly name you a single player on Wofford, and I don't think it's that important. Um, and then we'll bring you our week three ACC picks. God, it sounded a lot like the Texas A&M yell committee there, didn't I? Well, wow, that was Yeah, bad. you did. Oh, I mean, man. that state isn't Wofford, though, so let's <laughs> let's be clear. But uh, before all that, Tim, what's uh, what's going on? Nothing. I'm just cringing as hard as possible internally because I cannot stop watching that Texas yell, Texas A&M yell. What do they call it? Yell hour yell or something? Practice. Yell, yell practice. practice. Yeah, God, it's what like a it's cringy. basically a, it's basically a pep rally, and so they do this at midnight before every game. Friday night, midnight, they have yell practice and. I've gone to a couple of Aki games. It's been years now, but I was lucky enough to go to a uh, Texas A&M Baylor game when it was Ryan Tannehill quarterbacking the Aggies against uh, RG3, oh, Robert yeah. Griffin's Heisman year in Baylor. It was an exciting game. I think it was like 38-35 Aggie win. But uh, I've been to a Kansas blowout there. I think they beat Kansas 70-7 to or something when I went. But cool venue you know it's it's a good football school i I will say that about texas a&m but there is some weirdness that goes along with being an aggie i mean there's a little bit of like a cultish thing going on with the aggies not a and this isn't the first time i've i've noticed it (laughs) i've noticed this long before yell practice however that yell practice just it's the little hand gestures and movements that they do that just really seal the deal and weirdness for me. And, and yeah, you know, obviously it, it was just really shitty trash talk. I mean, it wasn't even good was the problem. I mean, I can no. get down with making fun of other opponents, uh, pretending that folks from the Appalachian mountains can't read just not, not really my thing, man. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like my thing is, you know, I guess, uh, if you're class of 23, I don't know, what were you, uh, four years old in 2007? I don't yeah. know. Just some quick math there. That's when App State got on the map. So if you don't know who App State is, you're not an educated football fan, which I'm not surprised that that these guys aren't. But, uh, I mean, I know plenty of good people from, from Texas A&M. Um, yeah, they're not, they're not all bad. I've got friends from there. So it's it's good, but... You know, it's just a, uh, it's just an interesting, interesting dynamic there. So it, I'd be very uh, excited to see any videos that come out of Yale practice this week as they're hosting Miami. Uh, they probably know who Miami is, maybe. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, probably on alert, because I think they went from uh, number seven in the country to 24th, which I think ranks them i could be wrong 
behind Notre Dame. Mm. No, Notre Dame fell out. I was going to say, that would make sense if Notre Dame... I I thought I saw something earlier that Notre Dame was 23rd in the country, which I was like... Look, I wouldn't put it past anybody when it comes to Notre Dame. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past anybody. But uh, hopefully the irony is not lost on the folks that were at Yale practice that you probably shouldn't be calling a group of folks hillbillies when you yourself are donned in um, overalls. Probably not a great one. that's, That's the ironic thing. You're making fun of people from Appalachia... While you're a young twenty-something wearing overalls, yeah, <laughs> like, didn't land, buddy. Didn't land. Yeah, that's a swing and a miss. Yeah. Um, anywho, talk about the Aggies a little bit later. But uh, before we jump into the Hokies, let's let's look at the ACC. I think, um, you know, as usual, if you're an ACC f- alum. And you're or a fan, and your favorite school is in the ACC. It's just week three is that time of year where you're like, you know what, our team has a chance as long as we're not like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I would say Duke, but Duke's playing well. Boston College. Um, yeah, your typical bottom dwellers, yeah. you know, your Georgia yeah. Techs, your Dukes historically, but maybe doesn't apply every year. But every uh, every school seems to have a chance this year, and I think. Um, you know, if you if you paid attention a week two, you kind of saw that play out a little bit. Yep. It's it's very very much the same conference as it has been for years. You know, Louisville, they get you know dominated by Syracuse at home. They come back, they beat pretty solid UCF team at home, uh, twenty to fourteen. They were down fourteen seven at half, but shut them out in the second half, thirteen nothing. Malik Cunningham didn't have a single passing touchdown. Rushford 121 added a score, didn't turn the ball over, was key. And uh, Louisville comes away with the win. They remain, at least the past year or two, the most unpredictable team in college football. Louisville can, you you just don't, word of advice, never bet on Louisville games. My bet for Louisville on last week's show was only because they looked so bad the week before that it only made sense to me that they would then look decent. Because that's yeah. how Scott Satterfield coach team is. And I wanted to be there with you. And I, I believe the spread was five and a half. And yeah. they won by six. So it's like, you know, they do just enough. What is this? Is this year three of Satterfield? Three or four. It's been a weird yeah. tenure. Well, um, when you got COVID thrown in there, too, I think that throws off my counting. So I, I really don't know. But yeah. he has not been what I thought he would be for Louisville. Well, he was um, great the first year. Yeah, he was. You know? He was. It was looking like the sky's the limit. It's been a mixed bag since. Um, yeah. But yeah, you just got to chalk it up. Is it coaching? Is it personnel? Like, what is it? But well, you know, when it's when it's inconsistency, that's when I start to point the finger at coaching. You know, if you were getting consistently poor performances, consistently medium performances, consistency is a sign of good coaching. The fact that you're not getting it with Louisville leads me to believe that, hey, he's, he's not getting his team either up or down for games in the manner that he should. Well, yeah, I'm looking over my shoulder here. I think Gunnar Henderson just hit an inside-the-park home run to take Yo, Gunnar. So, you know, I'm trying to hold my emotions in here, but this is a must-win for the Baltimore Orioles. So Yes, it is. Um, yeah, that was awesome. But anywho, yeah, so getting back to it here, Miami, uh, 
interesting game against Southern Miss. Again, a cover of 24 and a half that did not hit. Uh, But they get off to a slow start against Southern Miss. They end up winning 30 to 7. They trailed most of the second quarter. They scored the last 27 points of the game, but... I, I was I didn't watch any of this game, but I was watching the score and I was like, man, what is going on with Miami? And then finally they pulled away, but just kind of a uneven performance it looked like offensively. You know, I think Southern Miss is a pretty solid uh again, or Sun Belt. They're in the Sun Belt, right? Mm-hmm. The Sun Belt. I mean, that is a solid, solid group of five conference. I oh, mean, the best group of five I mean, they conference are, as of right now. They have got they have got some dudes. Uh, as yeah. far as schools go and you know Marshall just beat Notre Dame you've got App State in there you know Southern Miss looks like they're pretty solid I mean that's a really solid hey, group of five JMU conference. coming up this year JMU um, yeah. not eligible beating the brakes off play, Middle Tennessee State no sense. why do they do that the NCAA cannot make correct decisions I don't think it was the NCAA it sounded like it was more of the CAA and then the NCAA oh conference. that's even more ridiculous then yeah, there were some weird politics there. Uh, Wake takes care of Vandy, 45-25. Sam yep. Hartman uh, throws for 300 yards, four touchdowns at his first game back from medical leave, medical absence. We're not sure what was going on there, but it looks as I if believe he's it was a, a blood blood clot in his throwing arm. I okay. believe was what it was. He had to have surgery to have it removed, um, and he's since been uh, obviously cleared to play. And yeah, Wake Forest, nobody runs the slow mesh offense like Sam Hartman. Um, Those exchanges were excruciatingly slow. And uh, it's clear that they haven't missed a beat on offense, I think, which is, you know, kind of harrowing if you're an ACC team. Jorge and Mateo just hit a home run. So good job. Um, Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Vanderbilt benched Mike Wright during the game after. He has played pretty well to start the season, but um, got off to a slow start, and they put in their backup, who played fairly well. But interesting there. Not that quick, uh, quick trigger. Not that we're too concerned about Andy here, but yeah, Wake takes care of business on the road. Duke upends Northwestern. What's going yeah. on in Durham? I, like, I, I mean, Elko's a good coach. Great. Elko's but, a good coach. Um, yeah. And we knew that going in. I mean, the, the guy's got a pedigree on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, as far as how they're doing it, I think we got a little bit of fool's gold here in Duke. I, I think it's a mix of Northwestern is nowhere near as good as we thought they were. And because really Nebraska bad. is just really bad. Um, Nebraska is really bad. Obviously, Frost is no longer employed by the university. Scott had to see the door. Um, things aren't going well in Lincoln. So it was a wealthy I, door. Yeah, it was a wealthy door. I mean, I, you can show me the door for that much money. Um, but yeah, just one of those things where I think we're seeing a little bit of fool's gold. I think everybody's overreacting a little bit to how good Duke looks because Duke is not as good as they look, in my opinion. Um, but we'll find out. That's why they play the games. Yeah, but rush for 221. Mm-hmm. You know, Northwestern had to throw the ball 60 times had 435 yards through the air, but only 76 rushing. So, Which is surprising. See, this is what surprises me, because if Northwestern has anything, it's a decent running back and a good offensive line. So right. if you're a Duke fan or you're a fan of the ACC, that is the one stat that I would pull out of that game that surprises me the most that might say, hey, we're seeing some really good early returns on these defensive head coaches that come over D coordinators. Elko shut that run game down. 
And that, that is it, at, at least one day one pick on that in the NFL on that offensive line of Northwestern. Illinois, 24-3 over the old Wahoos. Uh, holds UVA to 222 total yards, forced three turnovers. They also rushed for over 200 yards against them. Go over Tommy that Armstrong DeVito. stat line. Yeah, so DeVito outplays Armstrong. He goes for 196 and two scores. Um, Armstrong, 13 of 32 for 180 and two picks. The most shocking stat from this game, really just any college football game, if you saw a stat like this, UVA was one of 16 on third down conversion. Golly. So uh, the offensive line seems to really be kind of the root of the issue here. Yeah. The uh, old Cavaliers. Agree. Uh, so it's definitely something to watch as the years continue. I mean, if you um, don't have offensive line, as Boston College saw, it's going to be very, very difficult to win football games, to rush the ball, and uh, to protect your quarterback, no matter how, how many playmakers you have on offense. It is. And, and, you know, not that I want to call play calling into concern scheme, you know, but you're seeing a lot of stuff that you saw with Clemson last year and some failings in that offensive side of the football Line is not good, but right now Brandon Armstrong has one of the top five worst QBRs of any Power Five starting quarterback um, in college football. So, to me, it's almost impressive to make him that bad. Um, you know, you're you're talking about extremely bad. Brandon Armstrong. And they've is a good got playmakers. They've they got do. playmakers. That so it, the math ain't mathing on that side of the ball for me from UVA. Pretty, I, I agree. The offensive line is not good, but. It shouldn't be this bad. And and maybe they'll get it corrected and, and figure out what's going on. UNC survives Georgia State. Again, doesn't cover the spread. 35-28. They blow an 18-point lead. <laughs> okay. They find themselves down late in the third quarter. They had three turnovers in the game. Georgia State had 12 penalties for 87 yards, which is probably why they didn't win. Tar Heels allow 235 yards on the ground, 421 yards overall. The porous defense continues. But they're 3-0. <laughs> so, Easily I've the got, worst 3-0 team in the nation, even though there's probably like, what, two, three? I don't know how many. I'm sure, I'm sure there's a bunch, but I've got UNC firmly in the uh, pretender category. Oh, for sure. For sure. Until the defense shows that it can stop anyone, I think they have to stay there. Tennessee survives Pitt in overtime. And honestly, if Keaton Slovis doesn't leave this game with a concussion, I think Pitt wins. Yep. Yep. Um, But that offensive line has to do a better job of protecting the quarterback. Slovis was getting demolished play after play after play. Yep. Tennessee had 16 hurries on the quarterback, nine tackles for loss, four sacks. You know, watching that game, you would have thought they had 10 sacks. I mean, it was it was crazy. And the Tennessee defense isn't even good. No, you know, that's that's no. the thing. So that like that's a that's a big concern for Pitt. Uh, they have to get that in check. Hinton Hooker played fairly well. I thought he missed a couple of big plays downfield that he should have had. Yep. Uh, Cedric Tillman, dynamic receiver for the Vols, nine catches, 162. I think uh, from the pit side, you know, it looks like they have a pretty good playmaker in uh, Israel uh, Abanaconda. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a big 76-yard touchdown run. He's really kind of a 
you know, kind of the Zay Flowers of this offense, I would say. He's kind of a game breaker. 25 attempts for 154 overall, but, you know, disappointing for Pitt. Um, you know, I don't know how Desmond Howard's feeling, but, you know, I think he had Pitt and Baylor in his uh, playoff and potentially Notre Dame. So I think it's been a yeah. pretty rough start to the college football season for him. Yeah, he's um, the guy that got his bracket busted on opening week in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, he's not even through the first round and he's no. the final four team. So, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, rough, rough go of it there, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see if Pitt can rebound. Uh, Hokies obviously uh, beat Boston College twenty-seven to ten. Dominant defensive play, capitalized on opportunities um, where they where they made them. We'll talk about that game in a little bit. Other matchups: Syracuse takes care of UConn forty-eight fourteen. NC State fifty-five-three over Charleston Southern. Georgia Tech 35-17 win over Western Carolina and Clemson with a sleepy 35-12 win over Furman. Mm. My biggest takeaway from week two, this is a good lead-in for the Virginia Tech game, is it's amazing how one week can just change your entire outlook on a on a football season. So, yeah. um, you know, you look at the ACC Coastal, UNC is UNC is pretending. UVA lost by 21, didn't score a touchdown against Illinois. Yeah. You know, Miami looks to be solid, but beatable. not not unbeatable. Yeah. Uh, Duke, kind of an unknown right now. They're winning games, probably in the pretender category. Georgia Tech, again, maybe they have a fighter's chance at some games, but probably not going to be very good. So uh, the Coastal is really anybody's division. Those conference games are the most important. And on the other side, you know, it's probably between Wake, NC State, and Clemson and whoever can kind of yep. sustain the, the rigors of the season. So um, we'll see who, who, uh, who survives at the end. But before we do all that, just a reminder, hit the subscribe button, share this podcast with your friends. Uh, check us out on YouTube. We're on YouTube now. We've got uh, the videos from the show. If you prefer to listen in that format, uh, just go to YouTube, type in Chowder and Grits. You'll find us. There's no recipes, unfortunately, for you, but uh, there's a lot of good football talk. So hit that subscribe button, share with your friends. Let's talk about it, Tim. So the Hokies, 27-10 over Boston College. Love it. An absolutely dominant win. Surprising, you could say. I was surprised with how. Yeah. Um, and uh, Brent Pry's first win as a Virginia Tech head coach comes in Lane Stadium week after losing to Old Dominion. Uh, but all in all, uh, again, just another really solid performance from the defense. And I think, um, you know, no matter kind of what game Virginia Tech plays this year, you know, the fans should feel fairly comfortable that the defense is going to give them a fighter's chance in these games. Now, Old Dominion, Boston College, turns out neither of those offenses seem to be very good. So there is some, you know, salt to take with these two performances. But from what we've seen over the past few years, we'll take them. Yeah. Um, I thought other things that were great was 
the, the coaching, decision-making, the flow of the game, only five penalties for 24 yards, 25 yards down from 14 the week prior. Huge. Those were good things to see. Those were steps in the right direction. This was an important game, not just because it was a conference game. This was a home game. And Virginia Tech needs to right the ship at home when it comes to protecting their turf, something that was not done over the last three, four years of the prior regime. Uh, it's something that's really going to dictate how Virginia Tech is able to recruit, keep kids in state. You have home games. Recruits are there. They see the environment. They don't just want to see Inner Sandman, which is electric. They want to see the team win. You know, mm-hmm. they want to see that complete performance. So um, I thought it was a great start under the prior era at, uh, at Lane Stadium. Um, they want to know in the ACC. And, uh, yeah, before we jump into each of the unit's performances, any any comments from your side? I mean, just want to shout out the fans. I thought the show from the fans, given that the weather was supposed to be poor and we had just lost to Old Dominion, was awesome to see. The fans brought it. The fans showed up. And that was in question to me, given the circumstances of what we would see there. So big props to the fans. And, yeah, I just want to highlight what I thought was a display of good coaching. We really corrected the procedural stuff on the offensive side of the ball, and that was great to see. I mean, penalties lost you the game at ODU. Obviously, that would have been a focus for Brent Pryan's staff, and they cleaned it up dramatically. So all good stuff to see. And somehow uh, Brent Pry has turned Dax Hollifield into Zach Thomas. Yeah, Dax Hollifield, I think uh... – Tawan Garbett was one of the highest graded defensive ends in the country Yeah. last week uh, per PFF. So, um, you know, we, we kind of assumed Dax would lead the team in tackling, and he's led the team the first through the first two weeks. But, yeah, he's, uh, he's grading out well. Um, defensively, I mean, you know, watching that game, it just felt like we were watching the only reason I know the years on this, Tim, is because I saw a post earlier. <laughs> And I was like, man, our senior year <laughs> was 13 years ago. <laughs> wow. And then Thanks, I started man. looking down the line and I was like, oh, wow, our freshman year was 16 years ago. Well, it started <laughs> to look like defenses from back then. You know, yeah. those yeah. 2006, 2007, 2008 defenses. You know, I mean, I'm not going to compare it to the 2007 defense because that defense was national championship caliber. I oh, yeah. pray and hope we can have another defense like that in Blacksburg again someday. We do not now. But it reminded you of those days. You know? Exactly. And I thought what was great was, you know, I think in one of the keys to the game, we had said, you know, Brent Pry, they're going to blitz every play. They blitzed 22% of the time. Mm-hmm. They got pressure 40% of the time, often rushing four. Yep. But they didn't need to blitz. They didn't need to pressure because they were getting hits on the quarterback. They were getting pressure on Dracovic. Yeah, leave more in coverage. I mean, look, it, it, the best blitz is when you don't bring any and you still get through. So um, you love to see it. Although I will say the creativity we're seeing in blitzes, uh, it's, it's really refreshing to see what is quite clearly a well-coached defense on the field for the Hokies. Something we have not seen in a very long time. But yeah. on top of it, five sacks, 10 tackles for a loss, 
Redskin, we mentioned Garbage Day. He had one sack, three tackles for a loss. Chapman had an interception on the second play of the game that resulted yep. in an early touchdown for the Hokies. Really set, set the, the tone. And uh, held Boston College to 155 total yards, four wow. of which were rushing. So <laughs> that off that offensive line, um, we were expecting a bad offensive line. That is a bad offensive line. They are going to take some serious lumps. Now, the good news is I think they should all be back next year. So if you're a Boston College fan, you're getting some nice PT for those guys. It should lend itself well, but um, it's going to be a tough year uh, for the Eagles. They're going to have a hard time finding office or, or offense, and Dracovic just isn't going to be able to be the same guy behind that line. Yeah, well, bad news for them. Dracovic probably will be in the league next year. So, yeah. you know, there's there's good with the bad. It's just amazing to me. Like, Boston College is a pretty traditional, like, offensive line factory. Like, yeah, they, they are. Well, at that position. Yeah, that was but Tom O'Brien's calling card. I mean, that he built yeah. that program on the backs of the offensive line. Yeah, um, and I mean, it, it carried over, too, to it did. all the other guys that followed. Adazio, so, just dudes being dudes. Dudes being dudes. I think... I think he got fired from Colorado State, too. Guys being dudes. I don't know what the, the saying is. Um, but he did. He needed yeah, to get fired at Colorado State. He he always has some stuff following around about maybe he's not the nicest guy. Um, but, yeah, like he's no nice longer guy. employed. Dad, right? It's a bunch of guys being dudes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, honestly, defensively, they allowed maybe one explosive play the entire game. That was yep. a 49-yard pass to uh, – to Zay Flowers and but otherwise they held him in check you know he had three more catches for that totaling about 30 yards so uh, they did what they had to do uh, you had to be happy uh, with with the defensive performance offensively still uh, still very much a work in progress and you know yep. I think um, you know what we saw was uh, this this offense currently is much better with Keyshawn King on the field very much so um, and I hope eventually we'll be able to say with King and Malachi Thomas on the field. Yep. But for now, the offense runs through King. And King had four carries on the day. Three went for negative one yards, and one went for a 65-yard touchdown. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where he's an explosive player. He changes how the defense defends. Um, and really, he was the only kind of spark that we had on offense all night. You know, if you look at Jalen Holston. Or are we assuming Connor like, Blumrick didn't play? Yeah, so I, I meant from the rushing game. <laughs> okay. So I think if you look at uh, Jalen Holston, you know, yeah. 20 carries, 48 yards, did have a touchdown, but 45 attempts, 144 yards overall. So yeah. not not much going on there. You know, I think through the year, like you mentioned, Connor Blumrick was a very nice addition to this offense. And I think, you know, when we we heard Price say in the offseason, he's one of the best 11 players we have on offense. And we were like, yeah, going to be a long season. There was some concern now, there. Now we know what was meant by that. As he's a, just a football player, than, man. Than us fans. But he does a lot of things really good. You know, yeah. he can block he can make plays with his legs he can outrun the linebackers he's he's good at catching he's very athletic and he's fast so um he led the team in in receptions with 46 he had five catches for 46 yards 
um, and provides a nice spark. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see what else he can do in the offense. It's just kind of confusing why he didn't have more of a footprint in that ODU game. Um, and then the play of the game offensively to me was the throw that Grant Wells had to Caleb Smith on the no sideline for 43 yards. I mean, what just an grab. absolute dime. Uh, was a nice spark in the second half when things were just kind of like feeling a little uncertain there for a little bit. Yeah, very. Um, and got the Hokies kind of going in the right direction. So, you know, still don't feel great about the offense. Uh, still very much a work in progress. But, you know, as the weeks continue to carry on, we start to see like glimpses like Kayla Smith is definitely the class of the receiver room. 100%. I just you're waiting for somebody else to step up. Yep. Like to do something. Uh, they're they're just not. There's that just hasn't happened yet. Um, outside of Blumrick, who is more of in that tight end room, um, more the gadget guy. Um, and then you've got Keyshawn King and hopefully Malachi Thomas who can come along. But the one positive from Wells is there was no turnovers. Yep. Um, much more unbalanced approach. There was only 25 pass attempts to about. 45 rushing attempts, whereas last week you had 36 and 39. So I think if the Hokies can run the ball more, you're going to feel better about their chances to win. That means they're controlling the game. They're probably playing good defense, controlling the clock, and it's probably not going to be pretty on offense this year for Virginia Tech. And it doesn't have to be pretty. You just got to win games. So that was what they did here, and they won by 17 pretty, uh, you know, in a pretty resounding win. And yeah. Had a nice uh, Wisconsin-style breakdown between the pass and the run. Um, thought the run was good in places. Where the run is struggling are in short yardage situations. And a third and one or a fourth and one, we are about as predictable and as ineffective as one could possibly be on offense. So you hope that'll be straightened out, whether it be some more, you know, widen out the formation a little bit, mix up the play calling. Tyler Bowen's going to be able to get a grip on that. But that has been a frustration for me early on this season is we are just terrible in short yarded situations. Um, Again, we saw that against Boston College, even worse against Boston College. The game would have been farther under our control if we could have stayed out for some longer drives. I thought, you know, we had a lot of three and outs. You want to see that improve, but at the same time, taking that with a grain of salt because every game this team should improve. It is a new offense. It's a bunch of guys that haven't played a whole lot of ball together in a lot of regards, especially where your quarterback's concerned. So we should see improvement, but these are things that are, are a little concerning to me. And you're struggling with what you said I thought was a great point. We're looking for somebody to step up in that wide receiver room, not lining up Blumrick out wide. You know, obviously one of the wide outs coming coming good. And whether it be Dwayne Lofton, Jaden Blue, I think those are two of my prime candidates to where this is going to happen. But you've got to get an answer opposite Caleb Smith. He can't be the only option. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there was a clip that came out of the Jaden Blue Locked down the field on the Keyshawn King play, so it's not like these guys aren't doing anything. It's just from, no, no, no. From a uh, receiving playmaking capability, like yeah, I'd really love to see Dwayne Lofton emerge. Um, Me too. If I had my pick, um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, it's still early. You know, it's still a van- brand new system. A lot of these guys are young or transfers, and they're still learning it. So, um. That's really kind of leading into the uh, Wofford talk. I'm not going to call it a preview um, of just 
that's kind of what we'd like to see with Virginia Tech this week is a game that's kicking off at 11 a.m. pretty early. Wofford is a team that has not won since September 4th, 2021. Uh, they've only got two wins, both in their first game of the season, dating back to 2020 and 2021. Uh, their closest margin of victory was 20 points against North Carolina wow. last year, which I thought was funny, 34-14. Um, and they are they have been outscored 57 to nothing this year. So... Yeah, there's just not a lot uh, positive for the old Wofford Terriers. The uh, the the Mike Young bowl, if you yes. Know. And thank you, Wofford, for Mike Wong Young. He's a uh, national treasure. Yes, he uh, is. One that we will treasure forever here in Blacksburg. Um, but I think the big thing is, you know, where are the Hokies currently through two weeks? You know. Yeah. One and one. Defensively, if you look at them, here's some numbers for you. They rank fifth nationally in yards allowed per game. Fourth in yards per play. Lead the country in opponent third down conversions. They've only given up four out of 30. Wow. And they're top 20 in sacks, tied 19th uh, for 19th with six. So, you know, we mentioned earlier, neither of these offenses are exactly uh, – Great. Yeah. U is 124th overall. Boston College is 127th overall. Um, so that could play into it. But Virginia Tech also played these offenses. That's driving down that number. So that's what happens when you've only played two games. The statistics are crazy. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. You look at the offensive side of the ball, 115th ranked offense in the country, 114th in passing. 10 for 34 on third downs, which is 109th nationally. And again, we mentioned more of the balance, lack of balance, I should say, against Boston College, uh, which was good. It, it veered towards the run game, which I think is what Brent Pry wants to do. It's how he wants to win football games. It's probably what Joe Rudolph is used to. Uh, and it's probably not far different from what Tyler Bowen was used to at Boston or at uh, Penn State. But, you know, they they play in these games in which, you know, you you've got to play the matchups. I think the reason that we threw so much against Old Dominion is because, um, well, I'm not really sure why, to be honest. But, you know, I would say at the end, I guess there was three or four throws there at the end. But, you know, as the season wears on, you just got to wonder, like, how much of the flow of the game will they get into where – that dictates the play calling or an inexperienced offensive coordinator kind of loses control of what he wants to do offensively. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's more about sticking to the plan. You know, I think they're going to play some better teams in the ACC here in the coming weeks. They've got Wofford this week who, again, no offense against Wofford, but they're not really in danger of losing that game. They've got West Virginia, the following week, West Virginia had a close game against Pitt, but they lost to Kansas last week. How good is West Virginia? Yeah. You don't know. Don't know. Um, West Virginia could definitely beat Virginia Tech. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. So don't get too excited, but it's just like that's kind of where we're at right now in college football as week one and week two unfold. There's some crazy things that happen. Week three 
not always a ton of big matchups in week three. You kind of like reset a little bit. And then week four kind of takes you into like that final non-conference game and or conference play starts for you, depending on how your, you know, schedule is structured. So September is all about learning, trying to feel out what the other team is, how good these teams actually are, how bad they are, how overrated they are. Um, But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. But from a Wofford standpoint, um, I just have a couple of keys to the game. The first one is really finding a rhythm offensively. Yeah. You know, I think ideally this game is over at halftime and we can get some other guys some looks. But it's important in that first half of the game that this offense finds a rhythm offensively, specifically Grant Wells, the receivers, and the run game. Sounds like Keyshawn King's ready to go. I don't know if I'd roll him out if he couldn't finish the BC game against Wofford probably save him for for West Virginia uh, stick with Jalen Holson and, and Chance Black um, but really what you're looking for is kind of a dominant performance from Grant Wells and the receiving core of the offensive line I think the unique thing about this offensive line so far Tim you look at the defense there was 21 players that had 10 snaps or more last week against Boston College the offensive line has played every single snap this season yeah there has not been a snap by a guy on the second string. So this is that game you want to get those guys in there. Yeah. You know, get their feet wet, get them some game experience. Um, so depending on how early we'll see that, I don't know, but we're definitely going to see that. That statistic is not going to last. If our offensive line is playing this entire game, things have gone very, very wrong. Yes. Yeah. I think it's important. And, you know, when you talk about shooters that are in slumps, you always hear the the phrase, they just need to see one go through the hoop. Well, for a lot of these receivers that we have, they need to see a couple balls thrown their way and make plays on them. And really, that that's all you're hoping for is just get these guys who are currently not involved in the offense a little more involved. Have your offense become more comfortable in what they're doing and what they're hoping to accomplish and then getting everyone sat so there are no injuries to worry about. Um, pretty simple game plan. But if, if we don't see some sort of um, success on the offensive line, on you know the offense in general, it is time to be concerned. Defensively for the Hokies, I think it's just keep doing what you're doing, right? So, you know, you look at how they performed in the first two games of the season. Uh, it's clear that Wofford isn't very good. They haven't scored a point this year. Uh, it shouldn't be much of a task for the first team defense to take care of business, get them off the field. You know, this isn't a Richmond. That's a pretty solid FCS program. This isn't, um, you know, an ODU, which is a Sunbelt team. Like, this is a very, very bad FCS team. Um, So I think if you look at, you know, 21 guys that have played 10 snaps or more against Boston College, you're really looking at those guys behind those 21. Like, who needs to get reps, you know? So... Um, I think we'll see a lot of faces that we haven't seen before, which is great from building yeah. a standpoint. I think any game action is great. And then, you know, with the the red shirt, shirt rules as they are these days, you know, you can play in four games. This will probably be the only game a lot of guys play in. So I'd expect to see the Hokies dress out more guys than usual um, and uh, just continue trying to build that depth. And who knows, maybe find like a diamond in the rough and then maybe somebody plays well and gets uh, more opportunities than expected somewhere down the line. 
Absolutely. Yeah, the, the more guys you can get in, the better. And in game experience, no matter who the opponent, is invaluable, um, especially for the younger guys. And we, we should certainly outclass them on both sides of the ball, you know, but football's a weird sport and we have been underperforming on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, you hope to see some positive trends, especially against a team like this. Again, if we win and we don't win by much, I'm still going to be a little concerned because you'd like to see some serious success against a team like Wofford. Okay, so let's jump into our week three ACC picks, Tim. And to recap last week, I was three and six. Timothy, five and four. So it's a new year, baby. New year, new Tim. I needed um, it. Starting to, to chip away at the massive lead I assembled last year. <laughs> That's right. Um, hey, we wiped the slate clean on week one. So week three kicking off is Florida State at Louisville. The Seminoles are a two and a half point favorite on the road. Didn't play last week. They were one of those week zero matchups. They had Duquesne week one or week zero, I should say, 47-7 victory. Then that crazy game on the road at LSU, 24-23. Tim, how are you leaning on this one? It's a tough one because, I mean, there's two scenarios here. It depends on which Jekyll and Hyde Louisville team you're going to get. Malik Cunningham and Louisville, they can beat anybody just about any week. It's just guessing the week that is hard. You know, there's a lot of people that, you know, after the win against LSU – are feeling really good about the Seminoles, feeling much better about the quarterback play. Um, and I think I'm willing to buy into it. I, I, I really I realize the, the Louisville home field advantage is going to make a difference. But, um, you know, give me Florida State and, and hopefully they can win by more than three points for me. Yeah, it's a tough one for me. Um, I think I'm going to go Florida State, too. I yeah. think I, uh, I saw some. Some positives I liked in Jordan Travis. Oh, yeah. Um, both teams are going to be very inconsistent. You know, it was kind of a crazy finish on the road that they had at LSU, but it was on the road, kind of. I mean, it was in New New Orleans. Um, so it was essentially a road game. But, you know, I think, uh, I think just with Louisville's inconsistency, I'm just going to lean FSU in this one. Yeah. Uh, Purdue at Syracuse. Interesting to me that Syracuse is a one point favorite here. I mean, I think, you know, Purdue's had their ups and downs over the years, but, um, you know, they had a close loss to Penn State early in the season in in week one. Yep. Uh, They beat Indiana State last week, 56 to nothing. You know, they're probably a middle tier Big Ten team. I like them more than Syracuse. I'm going to lean Purdue in this one. Yeah, no, this is one where I'm definitely uh, leaning in the same direction you are. I've, I've got full faith in Purdue. I'm honestly surprised that Syracuse is favored at all. Um, so given that logic, I'm obviously going to land on the side of the uh, of the Purdue Boilermakers. Old Dominion at UVA. Interesting. Interesting that UVA invited Old Dominion to their house, and they're not going there. Yeah. Um, UVA is an eight and a half point favorite, about the same that Virginia Tech was when the line opened on the road at Old Dominion. So technically that would mean Vegas thinks less of UVA's chances against Old Dominion because you basically get three points or you're taking away three points on the road. So that game had been in Blacksburg, you would have seen seen it open at 11 and a half. So interesting from that standpoint, both teams coming off losses last week, East Carolina kind of 
dominated Old Dominion. UVA got dominated by uh, Syracuse. Still going to lean UVA here. You know, I, I'm i just not going to buy into the ODU is going to start beating all these ACC teams. Um what what are you what are you thinking? The eight and a half is a little concerning, but the eight and a half is tough. I'm, I'm trying to make friends with it, uh, but let's face it, ODU they won the football game, um, but I, I just did not like what I saw from uh, Hayden Wolf. Um, quarterback play was was not good. I, I didn't think the running game looked as as explosive as I expected it to. Tony Elliott's going to go out there and take personally what happened to them on offense, and he's going to do everything he can to write that chip. And if he can hang multiple scores on these guys, he's going to. So I, I like UVA. Don't like eight and a half, but again, I expect a 14 to a 21 point win for them. Um, so obviously I'm going to take the Cavaliers in that case. Ole Miss at Georgia Tech. The Ole Rebels are 2-0, and number 20th. Number 20 in the country. Uh, this game is, I believe, at the Mercedes-Benz Dome, which I really hate that Georgia Tech is doing that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Bobby Dodd they, is they, so cool. Yeah, they're doing that a lot now. No need. Um, which is, is really annoying because there's nobody in the stadium when they play it at Mercedes-Benz. Yeah. It's a massive stadium. And not uh, to mention Bobby Dodd is one of the most storied uh, football grounds in the ACC. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's a cool venue. I've not cool been. Venue. I've been around it. Yeah. But one of these days, now that I'm like three and a half hours from Atlanta, I will be calling. Um, but anyways, Ole Miss, a 16 and a half point favorite. Uh, they beat in Troy, Central Arkansas this year. Haven't really played a decent opponent. Georgia Tech is one and one. A uh, big loss to Clemson. Although they played them tight there for a while, they and did. then their uh, win over Western Carolina. So. Who uh, who do you got in this one? Um, what's the spread? Sixteen and a half. Oh, I'm going to take Georgia Tech in this one. Um, even though I have no logical reason to do so, I did think they played Clemson fairly strongly. Um, there's talent on the team. There's athleticism. Whether or not they're getting the best coaching is hard to say. But I do like the factor that it is in uh, Mercedes-Benz Arena, even though they'll probably be outnumbered. Uh, Ole Miss, there'll probably be more Ole Miss fans than there will be Georgia Tech fans, sadly. Um, but, you know, the, get, give me the, the Yellow Jackets. I, I think, you know, they need to make a statement in the worst way. Uh, Jeff Collins needs to make a statement in the worst way, and here's their chance to do it. Georgia Tech in the points. I'm going to go Ole Miss uh, just because their quarterback's name is Jackson Dart. Um, uh, I don't hard to argue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a great quarterback. It's so name. good. Uh, it's possible he doesn't even play, yeah. but uh, he has played this year. But it sounds like they're a little bit uh, unsure of their quarterback situation. But I'm going to lean Dart on this one. I'm going to go Ole Miss uh, covers that 16 and a half spread. Liberty. At Wake Forest. So mm. just seems like Liberty has a lot of ACC games these days. Um, Wake is obviously off to a good start. Liberty's off to a 2-0 start. They had a 29-27 win against Southern Miss to open the season. We saw Southern Miss give Miami some fits there uh, last week. UAB, they had a 21-14 win over. Uh, Wake, obviously the 20-point win over Vandy and, and one week one as well. So... 
16 and a half points is quite a bit. Uh, it should be a solid Liberty team. I don't know if they're great, but how are you? Uh, how are you leaning in this one, Tim? Oh man, it's hard, especially after seeing Hartman look so good last week. Uh, I hate 16 and a half. Absolutely hate it against a team that is well coached on Liberty's side. You freeze knows what he's doing on offense. Um, would lead me to believe that there, you know, you could get the, a ball to break a couple different ways, get some turnovers. You're in the game against Wake. I see this as a 20 point, vi- 21 point victory for Wake Forest. I hate to take, you know, such a high spread, but I'm going to go with the favorite, take Demon Deacons. Yeah, I think it's worth noting here that Charlie Brewer has a hand injury and is out. And so he's Ooh. basically threw four passes this year and then got hurt. Um, so Liberty is rolling with a freshman, uh, Caden Slater, who has played fairly well. You know, he's got, uh, let's see, two touchdowns and a pick this year. Um, looks like he's got some ability to escape the pocket. So to me, that's going to make me lean Wake Forest um, 16 and a half. I think Wake is by far the better team. They're the better coach team. Oh, yeah, um, no so doubt. Sounds like we're both going going the Wake Forest route here, minus 16 and a half at home. Uh, you did have Wake Forest, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Texas Tech at NC State. Uh, NC State up to 16th in the country. Uh, both teams 2-0. and uh, NC State, you know, they opened the season against um, East Carolina in the close game there. And then Texas Tech, you know, they've had some interesting games so far. They upset Houston. I thought it was odd that their fans rushed the field on that one. Very. Um, this is a power. This is a group of five school that you beat. Ranked 25th. Yeah, and they're, yeah. they were ranked, I guess. But come on. Come yeah. on, Texas Tech. Um, so for that fact alone, I'm going to NC State minus 10. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking NC State here as well. Um, look like Devin Leary was back to his old self last week, set the NC State record uh, as being the only quarterback to throw for four touchdowns, rush for two, uh, which is surprising given that Devin Leary doesn't run at all. Um, So good numbers by him. Tony Gibson on NC State side has plenty of experience dealing with the air raid, specifically with Texas Tech with his time at West Virginia in the Big 12. Um, Yeah, so go ahead, give me uh, NC State, and I'll take the 10 and, and see if we can beat that. Pitt at Western Michigan, so uh, quarterback situation is up in the air. So there has been no update on Keaton Slovis as to whether or not he's going to play uh, coming off the concussion. So that's kind of a big X factor. I mean, Nick Patty's okay. I mean, I still think they beat Western Michigan, but cover a 10-point spread on the road uh, makes me a little uneasy, but I think I'm still going to go Pitt. I'm going to go Pitt. Uh, minus 10 over Western Michigan, even so though Western Michigan is this beat them last year. At Western Michigan? It is. Okay. So the revenge game sometimes falls in the face uh, when you are at home, coming home to get the revenge. There's a lot of pressure. Um, there shouldn't be much pressure on Pitt to perform in this game, or Western Michigan to perform in this game. Uh, you know, if you're pit, there's a chance you're going to come out too emotional after what happened last year. So give me Western Michigan to lose by less than 10. Emotions Indiana get the Tech, best of the Panthers. 
That's fair. Yeah. It's fair. Um, Louisiana Tech at Clemson. Uh, Louisiana Tech is one and one. They had a 52-24 loss to Missouri. They beat SF Austin 52-17. Clemson, uh, you know, they've had two wins. I believe it was 41-10 win over Georgia Tech. You know, a uh, 35-12 win over Furman. To me, 34 points in Clemson just does not mix these days. I cannot in good faith pick the Clemson Tigers to cover that spread when I don't think their quarterback is capable of doing so. So I will go Louisiana Tech. Yeah, that's an easy one. Bulldogs for me. Um, That's just too much of a spread for Clemson at the moment. And last game of the week, we will talk about number 13, Miami, at number 24, Texas A&M. The (laughs) Aggies are a a 5.5-point favorite a week after their uh, $1.5 million invite of Appalachian State to uh, come and beat (laughs) the student section that wears overalls to games. Yep. Um, Tim, who do you got in this one? So... There's some culture problems in the Texas A&M locker room. I've, I've read some quotes this week that it seems like Jimbo's kind of Jimboing it up down there right now. Um, I don't like to see that after what is a demoralizing and humiliating defeat for them. I think Miami is the last team that you want to play uh, coming off of a game like that. Uh, you know, you'd like to have maybe have a tune up, get some things corrected, maybe get the locker room in a better place. But based on the quotes I've been reading this week, um, Give me Miami all the way in this one. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Miami too. Um, I just find it very humorous that the Appalachian State Mountaineers went to uh, went to A&M and beat a bunch of millionaires, uh, which is awesome. (laughs) It's so good. Um, You know, I think Miami probably has a couple on their team now. Um, I like Tyler Van. Though I don't think he played great last week. I think he'll play good in this game. Yeah. Um, I think Cristobal will have them ready to go after kind of a lackluster performance. Was it a look-ahead game? Uh, not necessarily. I don't think Miami's good enough to have a look-ahead enough look, look ahead game at this point. But I think Cristobal will have these guys ready to go. I don't love picking Cristobal in big games because he historically has not performed well in them. Yeah. But I will go Miami to cover the spread. We'll see if they win. I think part of me is making that pick out of the hopes that I will get to see the A&M fan base continue to melt down and turn against a coach who has a nine or 10 year contract that he'd be, they'd be on the hook for almost a hundred million dollars on if they were to fire him. So I need to see some of that drama. I'm sorry. It's too much. Come on. Can you imagine if they fired a guy with a hundred million dollar buy? No, I mean, it would set such a bad precedent. Well, oh, that's our show for today uh so thanks for listening again be sure to uh check us out on youtube if that's your preferred medium or um you know share it with your friends if you never heard of us check it out subscribe leave us a review we love reviews i don't think we've seen an review in a while so if you it's want to lit, review, yeah. it feel great if you could if yeah. you could do that for us uh tim any any final words before we sign off here no, man, I'm just happy where where we are right now and, uh, you know, saw a quick turnaround from a lot of stuff that we thought was really bad in that first game to getting it cleaned up in the second game. And hopefully we just see continued improvement all around against the Terriers. No doubt. So, 
Uh, here's hoping to a healthy week of football, uh, get some guys some reps, and then after Wofford, I'll be seeing you in Blacksburg, baby. <laughs> Let's go. It's West Virginia week, so we're we're going to be excited to talk about that one. A uh, short hate week that week. Yeah, we're, we're probably going to have to talk about that game early in the week to, yep. to get it off our chest. But um, thanks for listening. Be here next week, and uh, go Hokies. See y'all.